2: Get started today at plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. plushcare.com slash weightloss.
1: Hello, Crimelanders. Thank you so much for tuning in again today. You are in for such a treat. Today's episode, first of all, I don't know what it was about this story, but I definitely found this story one of my more interesting stories of late. Obviously, I love all the stories, otherwise I wouldn't do them. But this one really had me licking my lips. Absolutely loved it. And I also loved my guest today. His name is Connor Behan. He has a brilliant podcast, Housewives and Me. And before I met Connor, I had a couple of people in my life, my nearest and dearest, telling me, you need to check out this podcast because everyone who knows me knows that I'm utterly obsessed with The Real Housewives and it is just such a deadly podcast and then I met Connor and he was just such a gorgeous person we really clicked from the get-go and he is just the best company he's smart he's funny is such a good guest on today's episode he's also a radio presenter in 2fm and he is resident DJ in the George yes you may have heard of it Ireland's most iconic nightclub it is the gay nightclub there on Georgia Street I was at a wedding a couple of weeks ago we were all saying it is just the best music in town, and Connor is DJ in the George as well. So, as well as having a podcast, radio doing, but a bit of radio presenting, he's also a DJ. To be quite honest, I'm just getting tired even listing off all the things Connor's up to. He is just such a deadly guest. You're really going to enjoy today's episode. If you do want to support us, you can rate or review us wherever you listen to your podcast. It takes about 30 seconds if you're just doing the stars, and you know what, it really really helps so much. Also, we're mad to grow our community of Crimelanders. I am so excited at how well the podcast is doing. I just really think now we've found our rhythm. I'm loving the guests, it's just such a joy. And if you do want to just even recommend us to a friend, that is the best way to grow this community of Crimelanders. So, that is probably the primary thing you could do to help us out and support the podcast if you have enjoyed it obviously if you haven't enjoyed the podcast please just stay off the internet today's episode as ever deals with you know some themes which may be considered distressing I think it's probably one of the less distressing ones um but who am I to say that for listen I'll leave it up to your own discretion and without further ado here's your episode enjoy
3: do mine so what you won't hear it say that but get okay.
1: nervous now
3: so one so actually you know, what? I'll do a clap and then you clap after me so one two three okay perfect so now like I'm recording a file here and I'll send it to you after
1: <clears throat> Connor I love that you're just so smart I love like I love picking up <laughs> these little bits and bobs okay right will we dive right in so Connor okay here we yes. go yes Welcome to Crime Land. my name is Julie J, and this week I'm chatting to one of my favourite new friends, it's...
3: Connor Bean. Sorry, how do I do that? I
1: never, I never tell, this is so bad, like I have That's one job, choice. which is to record the podcast and tell people they're announcing themselves. And I always forget at least one of those things.
3: <laughs> I'm like obsessed too with... Um... Like this whole thing in comedy world, because I don't do comedy, and obviously you do, of like the offstage co- being introduced by somebody else. I think that's so fab. Do like you, someone, you, like someone being that? like, please welcome the hilarious Julie J. And you're like, oh my God, whoever said that is so nice. Oh, thank <laughs> you. Like I would be like, I'd be like mental for that if I was a comedian. I'd be like, yes. Well, it's
1: funny you say that because Fred did a gig with the lovely Joe Rooney at the, at the weekend and Joe announced himself and he was saying, please welcome to the stage the fella who's still milking Father Ted 20 years later, it's Joe Rooney. But Fred was like, I think people thought I introduced Joe but so when I went up they like what a dick but I think with the intro thing because uh, Joanne does not like like you know she's like just introduced me please don't be going through like oh yeah she's great because I'll just be absolutely mortified
3: oh I'd be like 50 nights sold at Ficker oh, Street oh I know like, like, intro. <laughs> Joanne's
1: like please don't she leave. but I did it once against her wishes because I said you know what like she deserves it because she's achieved yeah. so much and then she was like no don't do please it's just like so important the next Time. She was like, Just introduce me, it's just so embarrassing. But then I thought afterwards, I must have sounded like such a bitter lemon. Welcome to the stage, Joanne. Michael. Instead of welcome to the stage, the woman who has sold 60 nights in Vicar Street made history, like listening off the podcast. No, I was just like, Ah, here she is. Like, I must have sounded so mean spirited. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna just say what this podcast is about because I don't know if I've actually announced this yet. So. <laughs> I am speaking to the lovely Connor Behan about Michaela McCollum, AKA one half of the Peru 2. Oh
3: my God. Oh my God. It's about to happen.
1: It's about to happen, Connor. Now, I have to say now, this one, relatively recent, not so long ago. I mean, I'm sure you you were you remember it when this came out. It was 2013. But I'm just yeah. going to go into a bit of the backstory. I think for most Irish listeners, we're probably familiar, but for our international listeners, there might be a lot of new information here. And it really was a story that gripped Irish media for obvious reasons. I think when you hear what it's all about, you're going to understand the widespread public interest at Australia. Anyway, now I'm going to dive right in, Connor, if that's okay.
3: That's fine. I'm into this. God, I think it was 2013. Wow, I can't believe it's nearly that long ago. I yeah. have
1: to say that did, you know, that did give me the EBGBs. I mean, I would say that's probably the scariest part of this.
3: <laughs> the time has passed. <laughs> the passage of time is the scariest. Trigger, story of all.
1: trigger warning. <laughs> this will remind you that you're getting older. Um, <laughs> That's how time works. Okay. So, Michaela McCollum was born in 1993 in a small Irish border village, the youngest of 10 children. Her Protestant mother eventually split from her Catholic dad, and so they returned to Dungannon in County Tyrone, where they were very much in the Catholic minority. And in her book, You'll Never See the Daylight, which is a book that Michaela wrote about her life. It was essentially her memoir. Uh, She talks about suffering, sectarian abuse, and really just having a very tough time. So it was an awful lot going on. You know, her poor mom as well like 10 kids. That's crazy. Oh, you're a single mother. (laughs) You're living in the Republic in Monaghan. And you have to return to Dungannon with 10 kids as a single parent. And aside from that, you are obviously subject to a lot of abuse because of the sectarianism that was... You know, mm. evident at the time. So just like pretty hard. Uh, when she is sixteen, so she's the baby of the family as well, which I think, you know, zero judgment. But I mean, this whole story does scream baby of the family. Like <laughs> for sure.
3: You're like youngest of ten, I could have guessed.
1: <laughs> like defo. So when she's sixteen, she moves in with a slightly older boyfriend who proves to be just really not a good guy, like terrible person, physically abusive, very controlling emotionally abusive and it's obviously a very traumatizing situation for her especially given her age like she's 16 like she's essentially a kid so after living with this boyfriend she moves in with a friend who's protestant so he happens to be protestant they're buddies and shortly before she goes to ibiza she likes a post on facebook now this is the issue connor with liking stuff on facebook i know like we talk about this a lot like just how guilty are you if you like something on Facebook? Like a lot of people, you know, kind of use the whole, like, it was an accidental like, uh, you know, defense. But in this instance, she liked this post, which I suppose her friend's family, they kind of viewed this as announcing herself as a Republican. That results in his family rocking up to his apartment and basically demanding that he kick Michaela out. So, like, this is a lot of chaos. Like, you know, there's a lot going on. She's 19 now, and she's kind of almost, like, bouncing from one place to the other. Like, there's just a lot yeah. going on, Connor.
3: Sounds like she's kind of, well, she was in an, a, a, sounds like some kind of an abusive relationship mm-hmm. situation. She's very young, has found, like, some kind of solace with a friend after a Rocky moving around as a child, and then to have your home and your sense of place ripped away from you at that age is... 19 is still so young. It's a time when we're in like student flats or accommodation. They're living with a few friends and they're getting to kind of have their own like adulthood experience and come Mm -hmm. into themselves. And she's having this kind of, and listen, I don't know what the Facebook post was. Maybe there's a degree of like they were right to be a bit pissed off, but still it's not great to have someone reefed out of their home you know over it
1: yeah it's just i suppose it like for sure i think you summed that up so well and so eloquently connor like i mean she's only a kid and i suppose this was her home as well so it just Mm. would have been you know really tough to suddenly kind of be out on your ear i mean it could have been in the family's defense it could have been like a up the raw post you know like yeah maybe it was
3: offensive i did like i mean there's you don't want to be like it's not that i'm i literally i don't know what the facebook post was but like I can uh, like just the, how destabilizing it would be to be kicked out. I can imagine. Very, very destabilizing. Yeah,
4: yeah,
1: for sure. And you know what? I think that is the perfect work on her because it seemed to be very destabilizing in that she did what we all kind of did. I think when we were in our late teens, early twenties and, you know, the shit had hit the van. We just packed up a backpack and said, right, I'm off to Ibiza. So in June of that year, June 2013, Michaela makes the decision to go to Ibiza with no plan, just wants to get away from Dungannon and start afresh elsewhere. On the plane over, she meets a guy who gets her job in a party bar and she dives headfirst into this, like obviously big party hedonistic Ibiza scene. She phones her mom every day, sometimes twice a day. So she's actually very close to her mom and even in the midst of this and i do think in her defense you know and obviously she has come in for a lot of criticism over the years i do think it says a lot about her in a person that even when she's in this chaotic state in her life like i know when i was off raven i wasn't ringing my mom twice a day like you know she obviously did have this really close relationship with her mother and stayed in touch
3: i'm dying though like obviously it's so nice to stand to your mom in your way but like I'm imagining her like in the smoking area of, of like DC 10 or something. And it's like t's, 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 t's. and how's and how's so-and-so? Yeah. And what did you have for dinner? Feel it, feel it. Like there's some dance song blur. It's like, oh, I love that song. actually. I'll off yeah, no sleep, sleep. Yeah, I'll send it to you, mom. It's really good. It's a big hit on the island. It'll be out in a few months. Like just you like see, where yeah. right or an afters and someone's like, don't have a roly, And she's like, yeah, yeah. How was your day? <laughs>
1: Well, look, I'd say her pearl, ma'am, like, you know, single mother 10 was probably just wrecked at this stage and was like, would you stop ringing me? But You're look, like, ring was- me
3: whenever and it's 3am, <laughs> not now, but not now. <laughs>
1: but like, look, it does, you know, it, it it does kind of say a lot about their relationship. But then, of course, what happens, so the, you know, as I used to always say to my mother when I was off traveling and I was a devil for staying in touch, admittedly, it was a lot harder when I was off traveling because it was like the 1800s. So we couldn't, <laughs> you know, it was harder to stay to stay in touch with the fam. But the issue is then, of course, that when you stop, that's when alarm bells ring. Whereas Mm -hmm. in my defense, I was always saying to my mother, well, like, because I'm very rarely in touch, like, that's kind of keeping you safe. Ignorance
3: (laughs) (laughs) You're like, I never started, so if I stop, you won't notice.
1: (laughs) So Michaela stopped ringing around the end of July for about a week, and nobody can get hold of her. Her family are instantly worried because this is really not like her. It is very out of character. What her family don't know is that Michaela has gotten herself caught up in a very serious situation so Michaela as we've said was into this party you know in this kind of party space in Ibiza we've all been I suppose kind of you know going through one of these phases where just kind of on the lash on the set all of the time she's taking drugs like coke and ketamine and after a couple of weeks she befriends a guy called Davy. now her friends warn her against him so he's an English guy. He's kind of well-dressed. Interestingly, which, you know, does kind of give you the heebie-jeebies and we've all met these people before, very into giving other people drugs but doesn't seem to be into taking drugs himself. Like, you Uh-oh. know, very, Uh-oh. just, you know, giving us the ick is what I'm saying. So the friends are kind of like, look, don't know about that guy, but she likes him. She kind of warms him, befriends him. And one night, Davy takes her back to his gaff and persuades her to take acid for the first time. In the middle of the acid trip, Davy asks her to go to Barcelona to pick up a package. She's offered 5,000 for this and she thinks grand, I'll do it. Because let's face it, Connor, she's on acid.
3: I love how, you know, mid acid trip I was offered five grand and I just said yes. I'm like, (laughs) wait a damn minute. Like that is so manipulative that someone was like, while you're tripping balls, whatever you do on acid, it's like can I ask a favor? It's like, like for most I've sure. gases. is, can you put on, can you pick the next song in the playlist? Is about the height of what I, <laughs> I would imagine you'd want to be asked. Can you go and get us a pint of milk actually? Like, no, I'm on acid. I'm not leaving the gas. <laughs> Do
1: you mind if I put, can I ask a favor? Do you mind if I put Brittany on? Oh, thank yeah. God. Because I thought you were going to ask me to fly to Barcelona to pick up a package. <laughs> so she says, yes, five grand happy days. Now, the next day, she's obviously kind of, I suppose, coming out of this stupor. And she realizes that she has agreed to take a package on a plane for this guy, Davy. And now, I guess, so, you know, having read her book and watched the documentary, this is kind of glossed over a bit, but like, it was very much kind of like, a drug saturated scene. So she knew herself that, like, look, this is a bit dodge. But very quickly, Davy passes her on to a guy who then passes her on to another guy called Mateo, who books a flight for her. When he's booking the flight, she asks him about the destination because she sees that he's booking a flight to Lima. She claims she later thought she claims later that she thought Lima was in Spain, so that she'd no problem with this arrangement. And I have to say. I would forgive her that. Like, geography was never my strong point either.
3: <laughs> Lima, is that is that a party town as well? Are they in season? Oh, Grant. Yeah, so it's not fair. You know, you cannot just... Would
1: you know... Do you think... Would you have known where Lima was when you were 19? You probably would, I'd say.
3: <laughs> You're like, you strike me as a sword to, to you know basic geography. You me. I think... you know, when I first
1: met you, he said he knows a lot about South American geography.
3: Um, I think... I'm trying to put myself back in the place. of. I feel like I would know it wasn't in Spain and be like, okay. oh, wait, I thought I was going to blah. I think I, like, I'd like to think I'd know it was in South America, but I think I'd be like, can I just ask now, where's Lima? I can I just double a sec. Yeah. Well, Sorry.
1: She, she did say in the book, which again, I think really rang true, like that she didn't want to ask because she didn't want to seem, you know, stupid. Naive, she didn't yeah. know. And you know what? I totally they bank get that. bank on that, I guess. Yeah, for sure. They, so They're
3: like, yeah, we want you to not ask
1: yeah and i suppose that you can understand as well at that age like maybe she didn't want to come across as a bit i mean this is now by the way from her perspective what he's what she's saying but i kind of you know i'm kind of taking her at face value here because i can i can see how that would happen especially when you're 19 that you don't want to ask a question which you might perceive as silly, but which is actually a question you should ask
3: see listen ladies if there's one thing we can learn from this
1: if you are sisters, asked, yes, girlfriend, sisters, listen up. <laughs> if you ever asked to take a package, it's okay to ask where Lima is. That's what we've
3: learned. <laughs> Do you remember? I don't like. I I know it's not a print magazine anymore, but Glamour magazine used to have like a section where it's like, it's okay to be like, you know, wear odd socks on laundry day. It's like <laughs> it's okay to ask if the drug deal you're doing is happening in Spain or South America. <laughs> it's Od- okay to take acid and then be asked to think. To- <laughs>
1: Life well, have stuff. Have odd hey, socks girl. on laundry day. <laughs> can I just call that a Tuesday in this house?
3: But it's all those real like. It's okay to like only straighten your hair once a week <laughs> or whatever. Like, and now it's like, and then here's a few more we could add to the list.
1: <laughs> this is definitely one we can add to that list for sure. So, uh, she look. She thinks things in Spain. She goes to Palma then in Majorca, and it's there that she meets up with this girl called Melissa Reed, who was a young Scottish woman who will also be picking up a package for these guys. They are told by the men involved that it's very simple that these guys know everybody and if anyone looks at their bags or questions them, it's because it's somebody who works for them and just to play along. Melissa Reed is a girl that Michaela's never met before and when she gets off the plane in Majorca, I suppose initially Michaela thinks that Melissa is a bit bossy, is what she says in the book. And perhaps, like with all these things, it might necessarily be a natural friendship, but obviously they have to row in together. The Mm -hmm. first thing that happens is the girls are taken to a house and have their phones taken, and then they're given blackberries to use, like kind of burner phones. Oh my God. Yes, I know. That's the bit that's really shocked you, the blackberries.
3: Can I ask now, I've just Googled the Peru too. So Melissa was the blonde one yes sorry not to reduce a woman to her hair color but i just because i'm like i can the images of them are so burning in my brain mikaela has the updo yes and in the photos the updo is is up and it, it's certainly up i will say that it is
1: def up and actually she does kind of poke fun of herself in the bbc documentary that she did and she kind of opens with you know my name is Michaela McCallum, owner of the most infamous updo in the world i mean it's up like, when it's up, it's up. It's definitely when, up. As
3: Cardi B would say, when it, if it's up, then it's up. That's actually what that song was inspired by.
1: So, <laughs> well, the two, Melissa and McKenna, they hang out in New York for a few days, and then Melissa goes first to Peru, and Michaela follows. Now, mm-hmm. in a really bizarre twist, McKenna says it's only on the plane when she spots the map on the screen in front of her detailing the flight trajectory that she cops that Lima is in Peru, which is in South America. And it's <laughs> then that she starts to panic. I mean, we're talking like... This is the hangovers of all hangovers. Do you know what I mean? Like this is, this right, is yeah. Talk about bad. a walk
3: of shame. You're like, no, I'm the flight of shame. I'm literally on a plane to <laughs> Lima and I've just realized where I'm going.
1: The flight of shame. So when she gets off the plane, she reconvenes at the airport with Melissa. And at this point, they really are caught, I suppose, in the sense, not in a literal sense, but they really are between a rock and a hard place. They are utterly trapped. In Peru, they're in touch with this guy called Mateo who tells them to do all the tourist stuff to make it look like they're on holidays.
2: There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify.
1: they're doing Machu Picchu they're doing bus trips and all this kind of backpacker crack and I do have to laugh because her descriptions are like of this like she's just not a backpacker girl like she's like this is not for me no like I'm out so she's having a lot of doubts she's kind of you know obviously getting increased she's quite literally sobering up now and questioning what the hell is going on and how she's gotten herself into this situation They're told that there are people watching them the whole time and she does seem to feel threatened, but obviously there's no way to get out of this now. She's just in too deep, basically. They stay in backpacking hostels and kind of present themselves as general backpackers. And then they get back into Lima and a few hours before they're to go, that you know a few hours before they're leaving for Spain, this guy arrives with, a, with a huge packets of porridge full of cocaine. And it's then that she realizes the sheer scale of this because she still believes, like obviously Davy, when he asked her on this asset trip, will you bring a package? Like you're thinking a package. You're not thinking... A huge, a 20 kilogram suitcase full of porridge packets. Like that's not a package. So she can barely lift the bag. It's so heavy. But of course, at this point, they continue on to the airport because realistically, how is she going to get out of this now? So she just says, look, I need to just focus on getting out of this country and just getting out of this situation.
3: Sorry, I just realized I thought not this is probably why I would also get stumped by this. I thought she was bringing a small thing to them and then she thought she was coming home. So really, the package was all along going to be the porridge bags full of, you know what?
1: But I mean, isn't that always like we've all watched Banged Up Abroad. Like it's, it's always the just, case. Do you want? I hit? thought she was
3: doing a drop off, hop on the flight home and that she was going around with a little bit of coke on her the whole time. I was like, oh my God, this is mad. So actually, oh my God, sorry. Wow. Everyone listening is like, yeah, dumbass." That's the whole story. But
0: I'm like, okay.
1: well, no, but you know what Connor, what I think is like with this story, I think as you, wow. as you hear the story, like I'm just saying now as somebody, I made very bad decisions in life. Like I can actually see myself getting caught up in something like this. Like it
3: just, <laughs> oh. I
1: I am surprised that I never smoke or drugs is what I'm saying. Because I <laughs> Maybe really you did and didn't
3: realize. <laughs> You like, there saying, was I always did. this dust on my there bag was, I yeah. never,
1: never, never, never. and this bag which was kind of unnaturally heavy but anyway just handed it to the man and he was happy out but look I I actually get this and it's in the airport now remembering that they were told look if anyone approaches you in the airport don't worry they work for us it's all gravy baby
0: God, God. they're in the
1: airport and their eyes like it. I watched this um Really interesting uh, documentary about like Peruvian police. Obviously, this is a huge issue, like the whole drug smuggling and all of that. And they always say it's like shoplifters. You always can spot a shoplifter because they're looking around rather than the items that are in their hands. And it's the opposite with drug smugglers that like you spot a drug smuggler because they can't take their eyes off their case. They're just, they're nervous. They're, you know what I mean? Like they're, they're kind of yeah, easy to spot. They've either got in that way.
3: Charlotte Tilbury in there or a bag of cocaine. <laughs> it's one or the other.
0: <laughs> Pat McGrath in there is it it's Pat oh.
3: McGrath and there you got a deal or is it drugs <laughs> they're both worth the same amount <laughs> you think someone's smoking drugs they could just have a very high-end makeup bag they
1: could, well and i think you're right that is a solid point in this instance <laughs> it was probably the four. they weren't
3: anyways no
1: yeah definitely the <laughs> but so they're pulled aside in this in this airport queue the police search their bags and obviously they see straight away that melissa mccain are carrying 1.8 million dollars worth of cocaine there's so much oh, cocaine oh, and it's so <laughs> which is a lot.
3: <sighs> Me, it's just one envelope they brought over. No, 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 no. No. no.
1: So it's obviously very badly hidden. That it's so badly hidden that the police actually laugh at them. At this point, the girls are a bit paranoid, but they still believe that this is all for show and the police are working with their mates back in Spain. Oh, no. Yeah. So it's, but as this goes on, they realize that that's not the case. So they kind of go from being, and I think those initial pictures, like obviously they look completely stunned. They're like rabbits in headlights, but there is almost a surprising calmness to them. And Michaela would say that that's because even at that, stage she thought okay this is all part of it but then it very quickly unraveled and it hit them that oh no, like these guys lied to us and we're screwed basically. So, I mean, this attracted a lot of media coverage, you know, a lot of international attention. When people hear about these two young women arrested in Lima, initially there's a lot of calls for support. Michaela's family actually start, which really breaks my heart, they start a GoFundMe because they believe Michaela when she says the only reason she took these drugs was because she was threatened and she had no choice. Ultimately, what would come to be the issue with Michaela was that she obviously had lied. She's basically saying anything to get herself out of these awful prison conditions. And, you know, again, I think we can sympathize with that. Like she's in a prison in South America where we have overcrowded cells, violence, what she refers to as overt sexuality, cockroaches, no sanitation. So like she's just saying anything to get her out of there. But obviously you know, it doesn't align with what actually happened. The maximum sentence for drug trafficking in Peru is 15 years. And her family at this point has hired a defense lawyer who seems very happy for them to play that we were threatened, you know, this quote, we were threatened and we didn't know what we were doing, carriage. So he's like, listen, that's going to be our approach. That's going to be our tactic here. But interestingly, they befriend this translator who becomes really good to the girls. She really advocates for them. She brings them commissary items and she is the one who convinces them to tell the truth. Michaela doesn't want to tell her mother the truth because she has lied to her and she doesn't want to break her heart. But in the end, she convinces a prison guard who she later said was kind to them to ring her, to allow her to ring her mother. She told her mother that she made the whole thing up and her mother obviously was devastated because at this point her mother had come out and defended her on TV and radio. Like she'd gone on Lorraine saying that she believed her daughter and she stood with her daughter. So when Michaela comes out and says she's lied and she hadn't been taken hostage, she hadn't been threatened. This is when the tide of public opinion really turns against her.
3: I'm also like, obviously I can see why having done all that, her mom was upset, but I love how it started with you're so afraid for your mum to know you went on the batter for three months in Ibiza that you're like you allow her to then effectively go in a media campaign going she's never done drugs in her life you're like oh, actually mom, I was I a bit of a head for three she months she just Sorry. went
1: to Ibiza <laughs> for the pints. like I, but you know again I can see oh, you're how you're only drinking
3: water at those gigs when you go that's white, why do you never have a drink
1: oh I don't need to have a drink well, I, I mean this yeah. is where you like tell me you're an Irish girl without telling yeah. me you're an Irish girl that's it's very like Irish I know I'm risking way. 15 years, but I don't <laughs> want to tell my mom my life.
3: That's what I mean. Like, I don't want my mom to know I need drugs, but I also don't want in jail for 15 years. So, like, which of the two, which will I do? Like, She was like, jail. I'll do jail.
1: But but you know what? The the thing is that, look, she was obviously right. It's extreme situation.
3: It was, yeah, yeah of, course, of course. And <laughs> at least she
1: did admit the truth. She and Melissa Reid, obviously, because they've admitted you know, they pled guilty. They've said they did what they did. You know, they did give some information about the gang in question but they like you know she would Michaela would later say like she didn't give obviously it makes sense you're not going to tell them everything you know because you just don't know what these people are capable of either but they gave yeah. them a little to kind of sweeten the deal so they end up being sentenced to eight years and six months and moved to this notorious prison called Anton II in the desert outside of Lima The first six months, as you can imagine, Connor Six months,
3: Jesus
1: Well, the first six months So like eight years and six months was the sentence But the first six months she said Were the toughest Because like, you know, obviously She's kind of been thrown into this situation Where there's 30 people to one cell There's one toilet They have to work in these workshops And, you know, they they kind of Seems like that they were kind of like Making handbags and stuff Like kind of selling kind of touristy items That would then be sold on They worked in these workshops And one day she nearly gets stabbed When she accidentally skips a queue But luckily she's saved by a prison friend Who intercepts the knife And like that was something fairly innocuous Like that they were queuing up to play their DVDs For film night And she inadvertently you know, skipped a queue, and then this woman attacks her. So it shows just how little value is placed on life, that she was nearly murdered over a DVD, basically. Another time, a woman at her table and work, because they work in these workshops where they're kind of making stuff, she whispers something to Michaela one day and hops on the table and attacks this other woman in an extremely violent assault. So she's finding it really tough, but then... She spots this girl in her cell Has her nails done And she says Oh where'd you get your nails done? And she finds (laughs) Hey queen
3: Are those acrylics? Mmm fierce Well the nails
1: These (laughs) acrylics (laughs) saved her life because she finds out about this beauty salon that exists. So she goes along and finds in one of the cells that they have like this beauty parlor. she blags herself a job. And that is when she really shines. She makes friends, her Spanish improves and she ends up making some money running this little business because like, I don't know if you know, anyone who's familiar with these South American prisons, bizarrely you know how it is you Can girls. make your own money in these places you know like I mean, you can you, you can be a girl boss too is what I'm saying <laughs> and she took the girl bossing to the next level because they then had this thing right called delegado which is kind of like your prison wing rep and they act as like an intermediate between the prisoners and the prison authorities and McKayna decides to run for it now Melissa Reed tells her look you're mad because you're not a native Spanish speaker like there's all the language difficulties there's no way you're going to get it but unbelievably Connor she does get it becoming the first non-native Peruvian to get such a position in a jail so like this was like kind of a high status role so she's after overcoming the fact that she went in there with not a word of Spanish uh you know like she obviously has made enough friends that she's actually won the vote to be this delegado which is incredible
3: Yeah, she was at networking. She was the OG influencer.
1: She was schmoozing. (laughs) So she was released from prison in March of 2015. And then she's to stay in Peru till February 2016 when she returns home. And I suppose kind of goes down, I don't know, do you remember? She kind of went down this Daily Mail route of the posed paparazzi pics on the beach. I don't know if you remember that. Yes, yes, yes. She writes the book. She goes on Pierce Morgan in 2019. And uh, I mean, I don't know if you saw it, Conor, but it was just, did you watch it?
3: She did that in 2019? I don't remember that. Oh, no. it
1: was just, so Pierce utterly destroys her. It's actually oh. a really uncomfortable watch and regardless of what she has done, you know, obviously she did commit a very serious crime here. It does kind of give you the ick just to watch him take her down. Like it's a really yeah. uncomfortable watch.
3: He delights in that kind of thing, doesn't oh, he?
1: Like, it's oh, hor- it's horrible. Like it's just not nice. And Oh
3: she, yeah, she did Good Morning Britain actually. I have a memory of, yeah. And she's blonde and stunning, I will say.
1: Yes, I mean I'll we're loving the highlights. We are loving yeah. the highlights. That was one once of your a, better decisions, Michaela.
3: Once a salon queen, always a salon queen. You're from the nails to the hair.
1: For sure, and she's looking great. And she, like, it's what I think's really interesting as well is, regardless of what you think of her initial crime, she really thrived in this horrendous situation. She comes out of prison, she's completely off drugs. She undergoes a degree, so she goes back to do her A-levels, which I always find so heartwarming. Like anyone who goes back and says, you know what, I want to finish my school. She goes Mm. back to do her A-levels. She pursues a degree. She has twins, so she gets into this very short relationship. And, you know, she ends up pregnant with twins and she's just very focused on moving forward and being the best mother she can be. Like, I suppose one thing that didn't help in this interview with Pierce was she did say that that the media had been unfair to her. But again, I think these kind of set up paparazzi pics and all of that, like, you know, people are kind of throwing that back in her face. But I think it is a generational thing. You know, you can understand having spent three years in a South American prison, how she went down this route when she's young, she looks like have great. no money. Like, no you're like, money, it's no income. Only,
3: exactly. And it's like a thing, you see it happen with a certain strand of celebrity, even if they've not been to jail, like young women who look a certain way are kind of told by the media, there's money in your looks in your body, so you might as well make it, which however you may feel about that, if she was in her position of, I'm starting from scratch. And like, it's not like she can just walk into a shop and go, hi, here's my CV. My name's Michaela McCollum," Because it's like, everyone knows who you are. Exactly.
1: You you know, this thing to muck in
3: and get famous.
1: (laughs) And you see, that's it. So I feel like she's kind of, in a way, maybe she was damned if she did and damned if she didn't. Like she did talk of coming home and feeling very ostracized and judged, which of course is understandable. You know, she had lied to her family in the media uh, initially, and this did cause her mother's particularly, you know, a lot of hurt. But again, you know, he wasn't guilty of, inadvertently hurting their family or, you know, making some bad decisions at at that age as well, I feel. Since her release, she has, as I've said, you know, written a book. She took part in this BBC documentary. The BBC were quick to say at the time that she wasn't paid for it. Mm-hmm. Um, she's a single mother now of her twin boys. She continues to do modelling, but ultimately is living a quiet life in Northern Ireland. Her accomplice, Melissa Reid, of course, has lived a private life since her release and returned to Scotland and has never courted immediate attention, seeking, understandably, a life of an- an anonymity and to put the whole chapter behind her. Whatever mm-hmm. you say about Michaela it is hard not to be impressed by a young woman who like so many of us was clearly lost making bad decisions but ultimately flourished in a place a lot of us would find hard to survive i mean of course it's not a victimless crime it is a very serious crime but i do think we have to credit her with the fact that she did turn her life around and she made the best of a bad situation
3: i mean it's that it's that thing of like you have to you can't like you can't excuse bad behavior but you can't let people St- uh, you have to believe in rehabilitation or change of some course, way or else, otherwise what's the point uh, otherwise what's the point and like you can't like you can't just believe in like throwing away like throwing people completely on the scrap heap, whether you agree with writing a book and going on good morning Britain is I guess fair enough, but like if that was what was an option for her to make because maybe she thought right if I do this for a year, it's enough, it's the money I'd make in a regular job over three or four years exactly. and I save my money. like who not like maybe she's now able to like Budget off of the book royalties enough to maybe, you know, who knows?
1: Well, and I, yeah, and I do think, like, obviously, the fact, like, you know, I'm even talking about the Peru too, like, Nobody really talks about the gang involved here either. You know, obviously, one yeah. theory is that the girls were set up. This happens all the time that the gang was happy to give up some of their product and sacrifice these girls as scapegoats to give them the police, the Peruvian police, a high profile haul. And then, obviously, that it ultimately facilitated more drugs getting through. Nobody, yeah. including this Davy person who initially approached Michaela to smuggle these drugs, has ever been charged.
3: Is he still kicking around Spain? Like, you know, handing oh, out you yokes know, and
1: all? You know he is kicking around Spain. Like, there's all these English lads and you're like, guys, you should have come home in 2013, love. Like, I mean,
0: <laughs> that is yeah. definitely
1: the vibe for sure. That is the story, Connor, of Michaela McCallum, one half of the infamous Peru 2. It's a great story, isn't it?
3: The woman behind the hon
1: The woman, actually. That's the next book.
3: That's the next book. I'm telling
1: you, that needs to be, like, I don't know, how would you feel? Like, I know I feel, just as a final note, I hope it hasn't come across that I'm being too soft on her here. in that, you know, it's obviously very serious crime, but I just think putting myself in that position at that age, I can actually see how you can get yourself into these really tricky situations. And I do think she made the best of it.
3: I think too, like, because I would be in my early thirties now. And so when this story broke, I would have been, I mean, it's a good to 10 years. I would have been like mid early twenties, I guess. So like, like 23, 24, I suppose. So like, I think at that age, I would not have joined the dots of how young she was when she Mm. was in Ibiza and what had gone down and then how young she was trying to get through the, like, and later on in in the story arc, how like young she was trying to just keep her head down through the prison side of things, you know? So, like, it's, even now, what, I think she's, what, maybe 28 now? So, like, she's still very young. So, she she was, like, 26 when she did the Piers Morgan chat. So, like, she's not even hit 30 now. So, like, it's a lot to kind of go through before you hit 30. Like, most of us are like, oh, I had one mad weekend at Oxygen in 2012. She's like, you want to hear about my three years in prison, honey? Like, it's, you know, like, and and then obviously add in the, the kind of scandal around it, as you say, like, where is the attention on the the gangs that do this to people where they put them in these positions?
1: It's definitely, it's definitely one. I think it is really fascinating. Like, uh, you know, I love me, but it banged up abroad and all of that. I think it's, <laughs> it's, it's the human interest angle that I do find interesting. And I think as somebody who, as I said, makes, I, I'm very easily persuaded. I make very bad decisions. <laughs> I am just so grateful Davey didn't come up to me in D210 saying, <laughs> What was the name of that club again? D10 D2
3: uh, uh, DC ten or DC is one club. I Does, mean, I have never numbers been to, floating around say, do, do you
1: want to take a package? Yeah, I've never been to a like, do it's just I? A name
3: that sticks in my head. Yeah, like what would I?
1: Well, you know, well, mm, you know what you say saying. I love it.
3: Even now you'd be like, Fred, I've just gotten this offer and I, you know, I'm gonna run it by my agent, but I think it's a really good one. It's just pick up something and I'll do I'll do some shows around the pickup, you know. I'll I'll turn it into a touring opportunity. You know, women can have it all. And then you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. That'd be, that'd be kind of, I mean, that might be, if you, I know comedy's in competitive field. Maybe that's what you've got to do now to stand out.
1: I think that could be the next step. Connor Behan, <laughs> it has been an absolute pleasure. I just love you. You're so brilliant. Thank you, you. Are same really, to you. really, just a fantastic guest. If we are looking to find you, Connor, when you're not hanging out in Ibiza, you are <laughs> on Instagram at it'sconorbehan. Would you be into the TikTok, the Twitter?
3: Just I have a Twitter ones. and an Instagram. I've yet to I have a TikTok under the same name, but I've done nothing with it. But I did okay. take the name to have it because I was like one day I might want to be a TikTok star. So <laughs> it's Connor Bean is where you'll find me on Instagram and Twitter. I have a podcast which is called House Soys and Me, which is on all the podcast spaces and you can get it. There's a social, there's social pages for it on Twitter and Instagram under Housewives and me as well.
1: And if you don't watch Housewives, I'm sorry, but we don't need your download over here. Like, I mean, (laughs) there
4: are two types of people in the world. There are people
1: who watch Housewives and there are people who don't. (laughs) Connor, it's been an absolute joy.
0: Thank you so much.
3: Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you.
0: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row?